Welcome to the worst nightmare of all. Reality. Explore the lesser-known stories of our unknown world. Join the pursuit of the paranormal with Ash and Greg. On tonight's show, we have Dr. Kelly Schutz with us. Thanks for having me. No, thanks welcome, for joining us. Welcome. So um, there'll be um, people in the UK that may not have heard about you and your history. Um, you are a writer, an author, podcast host, producer, researcher, a paranormal investigator, um, and experiencer. So could you let us know how you sort of got into the, the world of the paranormal and, uh, and how it all began on your journey? Well, that's a good question. Um, let's see, how can I do this in two minutes or less? <laughs> I, I basically <laughs> fell into this. I never really anticipated that I would ever, and I kid you not, ever go down this road. So let me give you just kind of an idea as to how this all evolved for me. And then um, we'll see where it goes from here. So when I maybe some of your listeners can relate to this a little bit, but I think I started for me before the age of five. I really do. Um, but when you're that young, you really don't know what's going on or you, you don't really think too much about it. So about around the age of four, um, I started having uh, like in my dreams, some visions and they were pretty much of uh, traumatic events. And I thought, um, didn't think too much at first, but then they started showing up. What I would dream about would start showing up on the television. And I would stand there and I would literally look at the TV in disbelief because, and I would always make a comment to my mother like, um, yeah, I just thought of that. You know, I just had a dream about that last night. And she never, ever said anything. And I just kind of went on my way thinking that it was kind of an odd coincidence. But it was at the point where these coincidences were increasing from maybe like from age four to, I don't know, maybe six. And then I thought to myself, um, okay, something is going on here because I am seeing exactly what happens on TV the next day. So... I think that was the beginning of me being a little bit on the clairvoyant side, you know, being able to see future events. Um, that kind of, I felt really um, guilty at first because I thought I was causing these events. I know that's really strange to hear a young kid think that, but I just didn't have any other explanation at that time. So let's fast forward a little bit to like the age of nine. And at the age of nine, I started to experience a lot of unsettled anxiety. And most people would say to you, especially parents, they would say, oh, you know, that, that's just, you're just, it's just growing pains. You're just growing up and this is normal and this is common. Don't worry about it. Just, just set it aside and, and relax. Okay. But I started to notice when I was at my grandparents' house that something in their house did not feel quite right. Now, over here in the United States, we feel, or many of us feel, that if you're in a home that was built in the 1800s or the late 1800s, we feel that's a long time. So I know it's probably different over there, with especially with some of your older properties there, but here it's like most people think that you can um, live, you can be in a home if it's older, that it, it's more than likely haunted. Well, that's not the case. I've haunted myself many newer homes that I've lived in. But getting back to what happened in this house, I could not tolerate being in this house very long. So I would start to, and they were always doing errands, and that's why I felt a little uneasy because it was all, I was always there after school by myself. So 
Anyway, one day I decided to take a nap on their couch. And I thought, I'm going to turn the lights on. I'm going to turn the TV up. I'm going to take this nap and I'm going to start to forget about why I feel so uneasy in this home. All right. Then I woke up and I heard chatter in the kitchen. And I thought, well, how did they get home so quickly? I, I didn't hear the door open. So, you know, as a kid, you crawl off the couch and you start dragging yourself to the, to the kitchen door. And once I got to the door frame, everything went dead silent. And I just stood there looking in this kitchen. No one was home. No one was in there. But the one thing that I will never forget is how dead silent it sounded. And then this, um, I decided to just get out of this house. If I had to stay at that house more after that point, I um, stayed out in their porch, which was basically cold or hot, but I just could not stabbing in there. So now let's add to being clairvoyant. Let's add me possibly being clairaudient. Okay. The ability to hear sounds, but that they're not there. All right. So <clears throat> around about the age of 14, I was on my father's childhood property and I, the reason why this is important is because now it's going to lead up to more traumatic events that, that I experienced throughout the years. And a lot of time, back when I was 14, there was a lot of kids in school that used to brag about how, oh, I've seen a ghost. Oh, yeah, I've got a ghost in my house. And I thought, you know, I don't, I've never seen a ghost. I don't even know what one looks like. But a lot of people think that ghosts are always visual. And they're not, but that's what I thought back then. So I was on my dad's childhood property, walking around. This is out in a rural area, old farm house or farmstead, very beautifully built house in the 1800s, beautiful. And um, I just walked around and I said, this place is kind of creepy. Um, maybe I can see a ghost on this property. And so I started looking around and looking for something that maybe looked ghostly and I didn't see anything. But I said something that I probably could regret later on. I kept saying out loud, I wish I could see a ghost. I wish I could see a ghost. I wish I could see a ghost. And there's a one of the things about saying things three times is you need to be very careful about doing that. But long story short, when I was in my 20s, a psychic had warned me not to, um, to, to learn how to control my anger when I got upset about things because I had an unusually strong, powerful mind, she said. And she said, I wasn't quite, I don't want to use the word normal. What is normal anyway, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But she just thought that there was something going on with me and she warned me of this. All right. Fast forward to my 30s. All right. I'm going back into my mother's grand. Grand, the, my grandparents' house on my mother's side, the one that I always felt very easy, uneasy about. So I go back in there because I'm a big girl now. I can handle this. Nothing's going to scare me. So I went back in there to face my fear of the past. And when I got in there, I had to go up these stairs. And at the top of the stairs was a draft curtain, a curtain that went across the way to keep the draft up to the upper level. And I said, I can do this. I can go up there and I can tackle this fear once and for all. After all, there's nothing in here. It was just my imagination back then. I go walking up the stairs and then I get to the draft curtain and I pull the thing back and then there was nothing. Okay. So then after the point of seeing nothing, I go into what is called the pink room. And the pink room is where there was a box of stuff in there because my grandparents had passed. I had to go up there to look at some stuff. But as soon as I got up there and th I didn't smell anything at first, but then I don't know if you guys have ever, ever encountered smelling something kind of deceased or rotten or like a dead mouse or something. And I said, really? there's something dead in this room and it's really bad. Okay. So I started looking around and it was starting to intensify. Keep in mind, this is the same house that really creeped me out when I was nine. Now I'm 30 years old. All right. So I'm walking around the room and I'm looking in all the corners and I see absolutely nothing except I spot 
this curtain on the window that looked like it had started on fire. And I thought to myself, this is very strange, but keep in mind that two days before I was there, there was a um, an electrical lightning storm and a lightning bolt did hit the house. And it also could have flared a spark out of the outlet that was next to the curtain. But what makes this unique is that it looked like somebody had put it out and there was nobody in that house two days before. At that point that I noticed that all of a sudden I got jabs in my stomach I felt really dizzy, lightheaded. I said to myself, something's happening to me. I'm feeling disoriented. I'm feeling really sick. So I turned around. I dropped everything on the floor, and I ran down the stairs, and I tore out of that house. And if you can imagine being a neighbor, watching somebody flee out of a house like it's on fire, that was me. Well, I did some research into that house, by the way. And what I discovered was that there was a woman who passed away in that house just before my grandparents bought it, who died in a fire that had happened in the kitchen. Call it coincidence, call it something else that might have been in there, but I'm telling you, it was not a nice entity. And we would also have more experiences with this entity when we were all in there as a family dividing up things because they had passed away. Now, I need to go into my 40s now for you. And I need to give you, now keep in, keep in mind, things are starting to evolve. And all of this has been evolving since I was a young four-year-old kid, right? Yep. So now I'm in my young 40s. I'm back on my father's property. Remember the one where I said, I wish I could see a ghost? All right, well, guess yeah. what? Okay, tornado ripped through the property. One day before, I went there to check on the property. Trees were down. You could hear this electrical sound in the air. Very interesting sound. But I was there by myself, and I was walking around, and then all of a sudden, guess what? Dead silence. And I thought, this is very strange. There was a lot of birds chirping in the trees a moment ago. Now it's dead silence. So I started taking pictures of the house just to show that it was okay fast forward when to get my pictures developed and in the upper right hand screened window it wasn't glass it was screened window there were two apparitions a little girl and an older man that were looking right at me as I took my picture, clear as a bell. You can see his mustache, his glasses, his hair, looking right at me. She had the expression of, I know who you are. And he had an expression of, who are you? And that's when I knew that that property was indeed more than haunted but somebody came back for a visit. The interesting part about that whole story, though, with that that house was that um, with those apparitions is that she showed at about six years old. She actually, I believe, is my great aunt who passed away at the age of 10, two miles down the road. And um, the gentleman was, I believe, my great grandfather who actually built the house. And he showed at about his mid-60s, but he died close to 80 years old. And so that's what I found really interesting. But there's a twist to this story. I went back to the house once I discovered the picture showing up and I had blown it up on my laptop and I could see them very clearly. And I stood there and I looked at the window and I said, it's obvious you showed yourself to me for a reason what message do you have for me? And I just stood there. And what I was waiting for was I was waiting for them to come to the window and show themselves again. But what happened instead is I heard telepathically, check the genealogy, check the genealogy. And I thought, what a weird thing to think of right now. Check the genealogy. That's really strange. Well, guess what? In the genealogy, I had misidentified her and her age, and indeed, that is truly what had happened here. 
I had an error in the genealogy, which is now corrected, and I matched her picture to the young gal that I have in the genealogy. Now, I'm almost done with my story on how this is evolving here, but now I'm learning I'm clairaudient, clairvoyant, telepathic, sensitive, empath. I mean, you go down the whole list, right? Now I'm in my 50s. Now this is getting really interesting, right? So everywhere I go, that's, that's proclaimed to be a haunted place, including I've been over at, in the United Kingdom a few times, and I've had some remarkable experiences over there, by the way. In my 50s, I had a, this is where I think the extraterrestrial part's coming in now. Um, I woke up one day, one morning at my house, crawled, went into the bathroom, and on my chest my uh let's see right left side of my chest there was if you take your right hand flip your right hand upside down and elongate the fingers as if it's scratching down like a, a chalkboard it wasn't a scratch it wasn't a burn but it was beet blood red in color and it had a crooked finger next to where if you flip your hand upside down the crooked finger was next to the pinky okay and it was it stayed on my body for about um about three hours and then it just kind of disappeared and so i have pictures of this in my book but now i'm thinking to myself i don't know if this is paranormal or extraterrestrial but what had happened in that case is the night before when i was laying down at about 2 a.m I did smell a really rosy, watery, perfumey, stinky smell next to me. And I thought it was my husband's shampoo. And I said, you know, I'm going to tell him tomorrow to ditch the shampoo. This stuff is horrible. <laughs> and anyway, I think it had something to do with that smell um, because it wasn't his shampoo. But that brought me to the point now of contacting people who have had extraterrestrial experiences to find out if what if that was spiritual paranormal or extraterrestrial and so now that i'm 60 years old i've been on this journey for a long time and i've got probably a hundred plus experiences with the paranormal and now three to four with uh what i believe to be extraterrestrial activity I have, um, you know, uh, burped me because I am full. And I honestly, it seems like every time I go somewhere, I have, uh, I'm experiencing something. So anyway, you, anyway, you guys, that's kind of, that's my little mini journey here. I, uh, I don't know if you have any questions or if I con conquered it all, but uh, feel free at this point. Yeah, yeah. Definitely got some uh, more questions, but yeah, I feel like I know you pretty well after that, that intro. I was wondering, obviously, these sort of experiences started when you were very young. And what did your family sort of make of it when you when this was going on? They thought I was like out of my mind, so discounted. Oh yes, I did bring it up to my grandparents, uh, the one with the the, the house um, situation. I said, um, "Your house is is your house haunted?" And a kid will just naturally just ask that question. They're not going to go, is this house haunted? You know, they're going to just ask it in a different way. And of course, what do you think the response was? Oh, no, that's in, you know, that's crazy talk, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, but I would, I will tell you right now that when I was over there, even though that when they were in the house and they wanted me to go upstairs to get something. I will tell you that I always refused. I said, I don't want to go up there. There is nothing up there. Eh, I don't want to go up there. So for years and years and years, and I'm going to tell you this quite honestly, up until about um, three to four years ago, which would have put me at around 55 to 56 years old, everybody thought I was off my rocker. And that was until I had that handprint show up on my body. And the minute that showed up, and I have pictures of that, by the way, I said, how can I, how can I deny this? I said, where did this come from? And then all of a sudden, they started taking me seriously. So that's kind of, that's kind of what my life is, has been like here, being believed about all of this stuff. So 
whilst you were growing up and you, you mentioned the fact that nobody believed you was there anybody else in the family that has approached you as you got older to sort of say well actually I experienced some strange things when we were growing up like cousins that you were playing with or or anybody like that well my one sister who's about five years younger is the only well okay maybe my brother on occasion he just felt creeped out when he had to mow the lawn on the father's property the one where i um, photographed the apparitions in the window he felt a little creeped out sometimes he said he said once in a while i felt like i was being watched as i was mowing the lawn and i said that wasn't your imagination i said that property is very haunted um it's just a matter of figuring out who's on that property doing so and my one sister who's uh five about five years younger than me she had an experience herself at somebody else's house and she started um, buying into this stuff but when you have a large family where most of them don't believe in this stuff and they're very skeptical and they're very what we call logical brain kind of not you know logical side type brain uh, it is very hard to have a discussion with anybody about this so my brother and sister and i would occasionally chat amongst ourselves but very briefly but um yeah they're very they're very sensitive too so you mentioned that you've um been to the uk to do investigation just ask whereabouts you've been pretty interested in, in hearing about that oh boy where haven't i been well, I hope I don't get this wrong because I needed to re I was the one that I had my most traumatic experience at um, is called the uh, um, Prince Rupert Hotel. I think it's in Shrewsbury. Yeah. Um, is that Scotland by chance or is that Wales? No, it's, well, it's, it's very close to at the border with Wales. Okay. I had my most traumatic if you'd like to hear that story yeah, there absolutely. um this one will knock your socks off okay awesome. so sit down and hang on and here we go for a ride as they say <laughs> um all right so i just have to preface this though with one thing when i discovered and before i get into the story so you understand where my intrigue came with all of this when i discovered telepathically that um, I could hear messages from ghosts, I guess, or apparitions. And this was that, that father's property with that, that picture in the window. Um, I said, I'm going to go to all these haunted properties that I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, um, basically prove them wrong there, you know, just to let them know that there isn't, if there's a ghost on these properties, I know it'll come to me because they want to talk to me. Oh boy, I've trust me, ever since that experience in Shrewsbury, I, I haven't said that since. But anyway, here's what happened. So haunted places later, I decide my husband and I are coming over. All right. And we are going to go to the Prince Rupert Hotel. Very, very haunted building more than what is it 12 apparitions all ages floating around in that place literally very old very aged lots of history and i said you bet i need a chapter for my book and i'm going over there and i'm now that i've i've survived some of these places in the u.s on and you know with the hauntings how bad could it really be boy i'll tell you i'll never say that again all right so we get to this hotel and I said, yes, I have a reservation here and I'd like to stay in the most haunted room, please. And they said, no, we are not going to let you stay in the most haunted room. Why can't you let me stay in the most haunted room? Because people don't stay in that room more than 20 minutes and then they're either down sleeping here all night on the couch by the lobby or they just decide to leave the hotel and they want a refund i said i'm here to do a chapter on a book i want to stay in the most haunted hotel or sorry hotel um room okay so she said i'm not letting you stay in there but i'll let you stay in the second most haunted room and i said i'll take it okay <laughs> so 
Here we go. The moment I started, now they have, I know your elevators over there are little, some of them are really, um, I use the word tiny, but, you know, just big enough for like one or two people in some of these places. And this one had a very small elevator. So we decided to walk up the stairs. And so here we go, trudging up the stairs. You know, here I am, ghost hunter from America. I'm going to find me a ghost. There's 12 of them in here. Where are you? Okay. And we start walking up the stairs. And the very first thing that I experienced, which I never experienced here in America yet, by the way, was I walked through what felt like was an electrical cobweb. It was just really unbelievable. It was like there was a wall right there and you walk right through it and my whole body just went woof and it electrified. And I thought, this is very unusual. I am, But at the moment that that happened, I literally visually saw what I have in the book, by the way, a picture of the maid that used to work in that hotel way back in the 1800s. And I saw a glimpse, half of her face rushing the corner. Could she matched the picture that I have in my book. So already I'm having experiences. So I'm thinking, wow, this is really something. Well, if you've ever been in this hotel, it's a maze. You 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 can get lost so easily. You can't even find your way back to the stairs to go down to the lobby. It's that crazy in there. So. All right, continue to go on our journey to our room. And the the uh, person who was helping us said, oh, by the way, we have to ask permission to come into this room. I said, why do you have to ask permission? Because if we don't ask permission and be nice about it, you're not going to get into this room. They'll keep it locked. Oh, okay, sounds good. Now, my husband, who isn't a skeptic anymore, was like, oh, she's just trying to scare you. Just blow it off. Okay, so anyway, we go into this room, and the very first thing I felt was quite dreadful. I mean, really sick feeling, dreadful. And I thought, yeah, it looks just like a regular room here. Try to ignore it. Um, Thought I was being pleasant by offering this um, apparition or, or whatever was in there, some champagne and some chocolates. I'm sorry, maybe it was on a diet or something, but obviously it didn't work. So let's go a little fast forward here. My light in my by my bed is burnt out. I wanted a light bulb that worked. I wanted to keep the lights on all night in this room. All right, because I was that creeped out all of a sudden. We went down to go to eat dinner. The manager approaches our table and says... Can I have your key, please? The ghost in that room won't let the maintenance guy in there to replace the light bulb. Okay, here you go. As she leaves, of course, what does my husband say? Oh, bullharky. You know, she's, they're just trying to get you all hyped up for tonight and scare you. All right. We go back upstairs. We go into the room. Of course, we did what we had to do first. Can we come into the room? We asked really nicely. All right, we're coming in. Hi, we're back. The first thing I noticed when we got back in there, the light was on. Okay, so I'm like, yay, the light's on. And I noticed on my pillow that there were handprints on my pillow. And my husband, once again, looks right at me and says, Bomalarkey, they're just trying to scare you and get you all hyped up. Just <laughs> blow it off. So I, I would say about an hour or two had gone by and I said, let's go to bed. My husband takes out the holy water. Now, I have to set the scene for you. So before we went to dinner, I did shoot a few orbs in there. Yes, no matter what people want to say about orbs, some of them actually are real. There were four mirrors facing each other on all ends of the room. Number, if I had to do a whole hour on mirrors and how they bring in and attract and hide apparitions. I mean, I could literally go on about mirrors. But anyway, I noticed this more. So he takes out the holy water and he says, here, I'll make you feel okay, Kelly. And as I'm standing at the bed, by the bed, 
He's standing kind of at the foot of the bed, looking forward with the holy water. I'm looking at a long floor length Victorian mirror, you know, like the ones that when the brides look in and people look in to, to, to look at themselves. I'm looking right at this mirror. He throws the holy water. And then all of a sudden, I kid you not, as God is my witness, um, the thing went um look pretend you're, you have your shoulders and go kind of go back and forth with them like kind of na 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 now like it was on tightening its screws or something it shook back and forth and then it started swiveling around and around and around wow. and it went about maybe two revelations or something like that revolutions and not revelations but i sure had them at the time i'm telling you that right <laughs> now um revolutions i absolutely stood there in not only disbelief, but I went into an immediate panic attack. I went completely white. I was in absolute shock. He froze in place. And so you could just imagine him throwing something. He froze in place. I'm experiencing this absolute terror of watching this mirror cycle around. This was no carnival joke. They did not plant that mirror in there. They didn't do anything funny with it because I'll explain to you this in a moment. So he comes out of his trance and then he decides, well, I'm going to bed. I said, look at the mirror. I said that, see where the mirror is? It's, it's like it's bent over, you know, like it's um, halfway. He says, how did that get like that? I said, it was cycling around. And then he just went, well, I'm going to bed. It was almost as if something came over him and just kind of erased the, the moment that happened there. Okay, fast forward. I'm laying in bed. I'm still terrified, by the way. I couldn't run out of there. The place was a maze. I wouldn't have known where I was going to run to. I was absolutely terrified. I had my black mask that you have. Sometimes people wear them. You know, they put the mask on at night. I put it over my eyes. I laid down and I said, over and over for about three hours straight. Please don't hurt me. And the um, there was a very ice cold feeling that came over my body. I felt it sit on my legs. I said, please, please don't hurt me. I just can't look at you. Please don't hurt me. I had one hour of sleep. When I woke up in the morning, the wardrobe that had a mirror on it, which I've got all these pictures, by the way, in, the, in my book, um, was uh, opened. I went, we got our stuff together, we gathered it up, and I went downstairs, and the manager, she saw how roughed up I looked. I was really miserable. And she said, I need to ask you a question. Can we go back up to the room? I thought, oh, my God, I don't want to go back up to this room. So we go back up to the room, we tap on the door, we ask to come in, and I'm sitting here going, because by then the maid had kind of gone through and was cleaning up the room. She brought me over to the mirror. She just says, I need to ask you a question about this mirror. And I said, I don't like this mirror. I don't like this mirror at all. This mirror is terrifying. Um, remove this from this room if you want to have peaceful nights. Well, I'm sure it's still there. But she said every time her, um, her maid staff goes in there and they're vacuuming, and they're vacuuming around that mirror, every time the maid staff bends over, the mirror lifts its um, the, the end at the bottom up and smacks her in the butt. And does that every single time, I don't know, probably as a joke or something. But she said, how do you stop the mirror from, from smacking her in the butt? I said, well, first of all, take the mirror and get rid of it. Secondly, ask it to just stop doing it, that they don't find it very funny. But um, yeah, so that was my most traumatic. And then at that point, I swore off ghosts for about two years. And um, I'm back at it again, but very mildly because they come to me. I don't even have to go to them anymore. So there you go, guys. I don't know if you've had any more more traumatic than that. I'm sure you have, but uh, that was my traumatic experience. No, that that sounds pretty terrifying, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing I wanted to go back to ask you about is um, you briefly mentioned about um, seeing some orbs, and um, I just wondered what your take is on orbs, because you said that some people say they might be dust, but... What else do you think orbs could be? All right. Well, I just finally got my answer after asking my own uh, listeners for about a year to year and a half um, if they could please explain to me why I have 
electrical bright solid orbs flying around in my office and in my bedroom and in my house in general. Um, and I tell, I told my listeners, uh, cause I podcast that, um, these aren't dust. It's not dust. It's not moisture. It's not, it's not this, it's not that I said, they're intelligent. They know what they're doing. They're flying very, um, they like, they know exactly where they're going. And I finally believe it or not got my answer. Um, it took a while, but um, so I'm going to drop a couple names out here. And for those of you who are listening and you want to see what I'm talking about and what I have been experiencing in my own house, once I tell you where to go to see this stuff, you'll probably not question me again on it. But um, I purchased a book from a woman. Her name is Merlina Marcan, M-A-R-C-A-N. And Merlina has been scientifically studying orbs for a long time. And I just received her book, by the way. But she has figured out how to, especially really good orbs, how to peel back the layers of an orb to determine what is truly inside of an orb. And um, it's remarkable stuff. So if your listeners are interested to, to learn more about what's in these orbs, uh, everything from extraterrestrial to um, spiritual to who knows what, but she has actual images and this isn't fake stuff, people. This is the real deal. But the thing is, is if you can get one to sit still long enough so you can at least have her, she will gladly peel back your orb. She will. Um, go, here's a couple, uh, here's a website that you could uh, find her at. It's called Orb Truth, a parallel dimension. And if you go on Facebook and put that in there, her name is Merlina, M-E-R-L-I-N-A, Marcan, M-A-R-C-A-N. And Merlina has remarkable stuff. Now, that's the first one. Now, let's go to the second person who helped me answer my question. His name is Dale, D-A-L-E, White, W-H-I-T-E. And Dale is what is called, in his view, an orbologist. And he studies this stuff daily. And he actually interacts with these orbs that are flying around. So between him and Marlena and another person called Paul V. Little, L-I-T-T-L-E, all three of those combined will provide enough answers. But the ultimate question people want to know is, who are these or what are these orbs and why are they here and why are they flying around and all that? There's a lot of theories about what they're doing, but I wanted you to go to um, YouTube and put in orbologist, O-R-B-O-L-O-G-I-S-T, and Dale White. He's that's one of the same here. And I want you to watch some of his stuff because he is like going at this with the vengeance right now. He's on a mission and he's not stopping. So what do I think they are? I don't know. Um, I do not know. I do know one thing. I do know they're attracted to me, but I think that they're in everybody's homes. They just don't see them. How did I pick mine up? I picked mine up through an infrared night vision camera. I watch them daily just to see how active they are during diff different points in time. They're very intelligent. They seem to always be on a mission. They don't, I asked them not to fly into me. They used to fly into me in the beginning. They don't fly into me anymore. Um, and uh, the, how that all came about is one day, uh, this house used to have poltergeist activity in it when we moved into this house a few years ago. And uh, that took two weeks to get rid of, boy, I'll tell you. And so what I did is one day I was working in my office at 1 a.m. And we heard, my husband and I heard the front door open downstairs. Well, first of all, it's locked. Secondly, there wasn't anyone who came in. But thirdly, it was clear as a bell that something was happening in this house, like a portal or something like that. And so anyway, I got this infrared camera 
and I put them all up over the house, throughout the house. And I started noticing that we were having these flying orbs flying around in here. And I thought, okie dokie, I thought, this is very strange. But they don't seem to hurt me or probably anyone. And sometimes I feel like they do talk to me telepathically. I know that sounds a little nutty, but there are times when there are things I probably wouldn't come up with myself that all of a sudden I come up with and um, they're attracted to light. And that's crazy because the lights are on all the time and you can't see them, but that doesn't mean that they're not like right now floating around this room. So I don't know. They're a combination of extraterrestrial, spiritual, and paranormal. That's the closest I've gotten down to other than the fact that now if you get Merlina to, um, peel back what some of your solid orbs look like, she can actually um, discover for you who is in the orb. So did that, did that kind of answer your question there, guys? Yeah, yeah. So I'm just on the uh, Facebook page uh, for Melina. Um, obviously, I'll have a look in a bit more detail after the podcast. So interesting pictures on there. So uh, it will be interesting to, to have a look through all of those where she's peeled back the the orbs yeah um, make sure you go to dale's website too or um the youtube with the orbologist because his videos um he's not shy in in putting those out there so very interesting stuff yeah definitely definitely one other thing that i, I wanted to to ask you about <clears throat> so you've mentioned a couple of times about how um something could be spiritual paranormal or extraterrestrial and then you mentioned um, one of the experiences early on where you were being communicated tele telepathically. I just wonder if you feel that the sort of the paranormal umbrella covers off extraterrestrials, paranormal, spiritual, and do you think they're one and the same thing? They're just sort of different branches of that. Well... The, the current theory out there right now amongst many, including myself, some, something has taken me on my journey. That's the first thing I want to bring up here. My journey started very young but has been evolving over time. So I want to I add something in here if you don't mind, and maybe this will make sense in answering your question. Mm -hmm. So when, um, let's see. Let's go back a couple years, okay? And maybe I can help answer this question a little bit better. A couple years ago, I went to a conference. My question at that time, when I was there talking to experts who wrote books on all kinds of things, including UFOs and paranormal and all this, I stood up once because I was having all kinds of experiences in my life. And so I stood up and I said, I have a question for you. I need to know, am I causing this stuff myself or is this stuff truly paranormal and how can you tell the difference? I need to know. So I, was, I had been telling this man how I could move objects, how I could literally, I've won 17 jackpots in the last three to four years, which is a casino jackpots, which is unheard of, by the way. I've been having all kinds of abilities that I just do not know where this is coming from. And remember when I went to that psychic when I was in the my 20s and you said, your mind is very powerful, be careful how to use it. I thought back to that and thinking, well, maybe there's something going on in my mind that triggered. Okay. Anyway, long story short, he looked right at me and he said, from what you're describing to me with your experiences, it sounds to me, Kelly, like you were abducted. At some point in your life, your memory was erased and you just don't remember it because I talk to a lot of people every day who keep telling me about the same type of things that have happened to you that is happening to them. Now, keep in mind, my question when I was there was, am I doing this myself or is this paranormal? Okay, now my question is, how could you tell the difference between when it's spiritual paranormal or extraterrestrial and the common theory it seems to be right now out in the field or at least from a lot of people experts on this in the u.s is it there seems to be such a fine line between them that sometimes it's not easy to determine 
which it is. So my mission now is, is it extraterrestrial or is it paranormal? I guess, in the, and I guess, or is it spiritual? Or maybe I should add the fourth one. Or is it coming from myself? So you see, there's many layers to it and there's many fine lines. So that's my take on it. And that seems to be the common thread right now anyway. So you mentioned then that the, the guy I spoke to said that he believed that you've had an abduction experience that yeah, your memory has been erased of that experience. Yeah. You had any sort of ET experiences that you do remember? Yes. Well, but not in the way that people want to believe that they are. At this conference, I was told there's 57 to 100 different alien types of species out there that they have been able to identify. Who's identifying them? I guess those that are very much into um, this phenomena. Let's go back a couple years to 2019. Let's go back to when I go. I go to Las Vegas all the time, by the way, to write my books. I'm now going on book 11. It's not being written in Las Vegas. It's being written at home. But the thing is, is I'm in Las Vegas all the time. Very haunted place. I was at the, uh, the hotel called The Win, which is a very upscale hotel. Got free rooms there. After you go there a while, you, they start throwing free rooms at you. But anyway, 60th floor, um, by myself. Remember, everything seems to happen when I'm by myself, right? And uh, one night, going to bed, went and looked out the window, and I said, wow, look at it from up here, 60th floor. Gee, maybe I could see a UFO fly by or something, you know? And I'm not talking in a metal container here you know, or a craft. I'm talking just something in general that would look very UFO-ish. Didn't see anything at first, okay? Decided to go to bed, you know, usual routine. Now, this room had a switch in there that never malfunctioned before. And I, and I can honestly say that it was not being malfunctioned. It was being played with. And as I laid down, all of a sudden, my nightlights started to flicker. And I said, oh, no. I said, and, and then I had two taps behind my head on my wall. My wall behind my head led into my bathroom. So it was like something from the bathroom was knocking on the wall behind my head, but only two taps. If I would have heard three, I would have turned the lights on and probably gone sat downstairs all night. But anyway, what was really strange about this night was I went to bed, obviously, I'm having this activity going on. I'm thinking it's paranormal. And, and when I woke up in the morning, I didn't feel right. I felt really strange. And so how did I feel? I felt like something replaced my blood. You know, like when you have your oil changed on your car? Well, that's yeah. how I felt. I felt like my, my blood was changed, but something to be more fresh, more new, more wow. And I said, God, I feel really weird, but I, I kind of feel good. I, anyway, long story short, a um, couple months later, I was diagnosed with cancer. And most people who have come into contact with extraterrestrial experiences, especially those that have literally come into contact with them, usually have some form of a radiation burn or some type of cancer that develops. I don't know where this cancer came from. I do not know if it's a it's if it's a genetic or a hereditary thing. I'm going to preface that because let's just say it was, or maybe indirectly, what um, this thing was or whatever it was was trying to help clean my blood um, to the point where I I was diagnosed. So I don't think it was a, a negative thing. I think it was a positive thing. Long story short. I got corrected for this cancer. It was a female issue. Um, the doctor kept telling me, he says, I don't know, Kelly, you're a miracle. He says, I don't, I, this is unbelievable, but you are a miracle. And, you know, I think all doctors say that to everybody, right? But he wasn't wrong. I was a miracle, but how this all occurred, I don't know. Now, let me go fast forward and then back up here just a second. Three, three years later, I've got a UFO person in my house who's helping me to understand 
you know, some of these things that are going on. I'm thinking that I can't, can't tell if it's extraterrestrial or paranormal or what. She has a lot of experience with uh, UFOs and all that stuff. So she was, and she's also psychic. So she was sitting with me and she said, she says, I got to tell you something. She said, I'm picking up on something here. Keep in mind, she didn't know what happened three years ago. She goes, something happened to you about three years ago. Um, you're in a hotel room and it something was extraterrestrial. It was there checking your blood. And I just about died. I mean, I just thought I was thinking they're going, what happened three years ago? And I was trying to remember. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me and it just like opened up like you couldn't believe she had no clue what happened, but she did say that it was a, it was a friendly presence. It wasn't a negative presence and it was there to help me um, physically. So do I believe I've had that? I don't know. Can you explain the the clock size orb that showed up in my living room about six months ago that can't be explained where I saw it, saw it momentarily and then it dissolved in front of me? Can you explain the long handprint that that ended up on my body with elongated fingers and a crooked finger and it was upside down so it wasn't my own hand? I don't know. Those are like the three to four kind of situations that I've had, but never yet, knock on wood, I have not seen anything um, yet. However, I need to tell you, in March, I'm going UFO watching, so I'll probably get my first opportunity to nice. see them in the sky, um, and I'm doing that in Arizona. So oh, wow. anyway, yeah, so there you have it. So yes, I guess pretty soon I'll be able to see my first one. I uh, hope you do. So one of the story that I sort of want to hear about that sounds interesting is that you saw a like a, a energy from a deceased person move. Just want to tell us a bit more about this incident. Okay, now when you say the energy from a de- oh yes okay right okay yes I will explain this one. So energy cannot be destroyed, and the situation you're asking about and what your um, listeners are wondering about is when my father passed away, um, my brother and I were, we were in the lobby room. And at the point, there was a, an elderly man who was slumped over. Imagine someone being slumped over to their knees sitting in their wheelchair. And we were standing by a uh, window or a, uh, kind of a window, kind of a window door kind of thing. And it was at the point where um he was pronounced that he had died um and then we learned of this that this elderly man who was slumped over in his wheelchair kid you not he couldn't raise his head if he tried by the way he lifts up his head and he starts waving at us with like hi look at i'm here i'm here it was just the weirdest experience you could ever imagine and the thing is, is that then it was very, probably not long after that, he then went back down into a slump position and never raised his head again. But it was like something was trying, he was trying to call our attention. And I know my dad, by the way, I know him very well. He wanted to live more than you could ever, ever imagine. He really did. And um, I asked a doctor about this. I interviewed a doctor on my show about three years ago. And I said, is it possible for when people pass away for their energy to actually go into another live human being? And he said to me, yes, Kelly, it actually is. I've only had three cases of this since I've been a doctor, but I have actually witnessed this myself. And he's a very credible doctor, by the way. Um, his book is on Amazon and it's called The um, Untold Stories of Physicians. And his name is, oh gosh, oh, is Scott Kabbalah. Something like K-A-L-B-O-L-A or something like that. I can't remember the spelling of his name, but it's the stories of, un, you know, from an untold, from untold stories from physicians. I don't think he's got the energy one in there of the ones that he's seen, but he did verify for me 
that it is possible. And so my brother and I truly believe that what we saw there in that moment was my deceased father's energy going into the body of this elderly man who, you know, was very, very, you know, he couldn't lift his head if he tried and that it is very possible. So it's, it's, it happens. It's not, it doesn't happen all the time, but yes, it can happen. Interesting. So do you think that I, your father's energy, does, does your father, so, do you think the energy keeps a part of him when this energy moves on? I don't know. Oh, you mean like the elderly man or just that the energy in, in and of itself um, yeah. is part of like, for example, let me just use the example of, of an orb, right? So when, sometimes when people see orbs flying around in their, their homes or whatever, they think, oh, that's my grandmother. That's my mother. That's my sister. That's my brother. And then you want to attach to it the fact that it's intelligent, right? Because yeah. it's there and that it knows you, or maybe it doesn't know you, but that's what, you know, depending on your religious belief, people have a tendency to believe that it's their relative or their, their parent or yeah. child or whatever. Um, I do know from just from the little research that I've done on this, that there's a part of that energy that somehow um, exists, but not necessarily in its entirety. And so I haven't done a lot of research on that, but I would say that there it is possible that some of it might exist, but not necessarily all of it. Do I have you guys speechless? I think I have you guys speechless. Yeah, there's a, a lot of inf good information coming across from you. And this it's really fascinating to listen to the experiences you've had. Now, you mentioned um, that you, um, one of the houses that you'd moved into had poltergeist activity. Now, we've spoken on this podcast many times about poltergeists, and it, it seems to be um, a subject that people... Um, probably know quite a bit about based on famous films that have been made around the subject um and we the people we talk to and the cases we talk about on this on this podcast generally tend to be around prepubescent or pubescent girls around the age of 11 to sort of 15 um from the sort of poltergeist activity that you've experienced, would you say um, that it's been caused by a different kind of manifestation and not around a, a young girl? Or was it inherent in the property when you moved in or did it develop as you moved in? Okay, I've haunted three homes and in all three homes I had poltergeist activity. Yeah. Um, I had no experiences of this when I was growing up uh, before the age of 20. I had no experiences of this um, probably before the age of 40. But when I was in my 40s and 50s, I had a lot of experiences. And so what they're discovering also now is that even people who are women who are premenopausal or menopausal, are also having experiences. So now we're adding a new layer to this other than just being a teen yeah. and having these experiences. Okay, so I'm having these experiences when I'm in my 40s and my 50s, okay? Um, the very first house, I haunted it, meaning I went on so many bed and breakfast uh, known haunted locations that I brought back some some things or something with me usually and they all started out the very first home I was in it started out relatively friendly until I woke up one night and it was choking me to death and now people would say oh that's sleep paralysis no it wasn't something was choking me to death um, there were many experiences that I had in there from moving objects to just things happening in the bathroom. Um, a lot of ghosts like to hang out in the bathroom and closets, by the way, who knows why. But um, in that particular case, I feel I brought something into that house and that it was not haunted when we were originally there. Fast forward to the second house. The second house, I didn't know this at the time, but this is when I learned that I could communicate on devices with intelligent words coming back at me where I could formulate um, messages. 
we were in this house after that first house i said and i things were i could go on about things happening but in that house i was being choked to death and my husband was going into possessions and i said we're getting out of here. That's why we got out of the first house to begin with. We go over to the second house, which was five miles away. And I said, there, we're in a fresh house now, clean as a bell, not a problem. Wrong. Across the road, which I didn't know at the time was a barn. And we were in one of the rooms painting it when we had first gotten in there. And I thought, ah, heck, I'll just turn on my device and see if there's anything quirky in this house. And it started to relay um, words like barn, scared, um, something to the effect of hurt, you know, and all that kind of thing. I said, barn, scared, hurt. How weird, I said. And then I discovered that what it was talking about was this barn across the road. And back in the Civil War day, there was a man, a wife, and three kids, and he went crazy, and he axed his wife, and he killed by axe his kids to death. And that's when it all started to come clear to me that some of the odd things that were happening in that house were coming from across the road. Now, have you heard the word that your, your frequency is so high that you act like a beacon? Mm -hmm. This is when I started to realize that I was a beacon. My frequency is very high, and it seems like wherever they are, here they come, right? So I believe I haunted that second house, but the experiences started to elevate to many different things in there, particularly with um, just some of the things. By the way, you should never ghost hunt in your own house. Never use your K2, never bring open the programs because what you could do is open up a portal and bring them right on in. And so guess what? Brought them right on in. Well, anyway, I'm in my third house now, haunted again. How is this happening? You know, this one locked me out of the house when I needed to get in the house very badly one day. And so, and had a lot of poltergeist activity going on in here with all kinds of things going on. And so to answer your question, I do not believe that I, that these homes were haunted I believe that things follow me into the homes or I ignite what could be around the area like a beacon to come in to my homes. Right now, it's been very peaceful for a while, except for the flying orbs. So um, I don't know. I'm going to the Jerome, um, the Jerome Grand Hotel in Arizona in March. It's very haunted in this building. 9,000 people had died. It used to be a hospital. And so I just hope I don't bring anything back with me because I've enjoyed my peace and quiet. I hope that answered your question. Yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you mentioned that you've wrote a number of books. Uh, so what was it that prompted you to start writing a book to do the podcast? Was it, is it just your own experiences or do you include experiences from other people as well in your books? On the books, they're, um, I would say they're 99.9% .9 my own experiences. So I've had over 100 experiences and they just keep, like I said, they come to me. If it's an interesting situation that can't not be explained, I write about it. Um, I am going to include, though, in some of the books that I've had, yes, I've had one or two stories from other people, um, including my husband who saw his, there will be in number 11, by the way, he saw his first visual about three, four months ago, apparition when we were at a museum on a, near a boat at this museum. He saw a uh, man show up in this boat, and he's a skeptic, by the way. He's a skeptic believer kind of person. So I'm going to write about that experience and anything that I experienced at that Jerome Hotel that's coming up. So, yeah, I've had a lot. I've been through a lot, um, but things are evolving, and that's what makes this really interesting. So where can people find your books? Uh, you can find them on Amazon. I am going to put in a plug that the most interesting ones, which I've kind of combined together, um, Manifestations and Message Received, those are my two most popular books. My 11th one's not going to be out probably for until the end of the year. And um, and you can find them on Amazon, or you could go to my website to take a look at all the book covers and read what's inside of them, uh, www.amazon.com 
paranormaluniversalpress.com. And you'll see my book covers. You'll read about my features. I'm coming up. I'm going to be speaking at a couple conferences. And so, yeah, it's going to be a busy year. So that that was my next question. I know you're going to be at some conferences. Where where will you be? So if we so we have quite um, a big listenership over in the states. So oh yeah, okay. So the very first conference that's the conference, which is a convention that's coming up, and I'll give you a a website for each one. You can go to it and check check us out check it out. The first one is the Para Unity Convention in Minnesota. And to find out information on that, the TV celebrities, by the way, that are on television that you see in a lot of these paranormal shows, a handful of them will be there um, because it's primarily centered around uh, TV celebrities. At this one, I'm going to speak, but I'm not going to be a TV celebrity. I'm going to be speaking in a breakout room. That website is para con let me just double check that it's right in front of me sorry www.mnparacon.com if you go to that one and you go to vendors you'll see i'm a vendor but i'm also going to be a speaker cool. the um that one's in um uh, that one's on september uh 29th through october 1st at mystic lake casino uh in minnesota that's going to be a very popular one the next one that um, is postponed, but is going to—it's still on the books. Was going to be this March in Las Vegas. It had to be postponed due to pandemic issues. But anyone, that's the uh, UFO conference. I am a featured speaker. They're also considering me now for being a main speaker and a workshop speaker. So that would be like two hours each each uh, gig. But anyway. You go to www.ufomegacon.com and on that website, click out of the organizer's uh, apology letter, scroll down to workshops, scroll down to my name, Dr. Kelly Renee Schutz, click on read more, and there you're going to see my a very large biography on what I intend to talk about at that conference and that one we're not sure yet but i think it's still going to be in las vegas and if not i'll release all that information as we get closer but that one's now postponed till 2023 there there you go awesome sounds exciting well thank you very much for coming on and chatting to us it's been fascinating hearing your experiences and yeah thank you for coming on yeah thank you for having me guys been very very fun thank you so much thank you Pursuit of the Paranormal with Ash and Greg.